Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. I'm really excited about this, the new upcoming year, about the series that we're getting ready to start. And uh, I, I'll be real honest, usually the series that we do, I could tell you today that for the next four weeks or the next six weeks or the next however many weeks we're going to be going into this particular series. And this morning, uh, I have no idea how long this series is going to be. Um, we are going to be studying uh, the life of prayer in, through Jesus Christ. And as I was going through some of my uh, different resources that I have up in my office and some different things, I was going through uh, one of the, the references that I have references close to about 25 different prayers that Jesus prayed specifically. And then there's other references that aren't necessarily just him praying, but where uh, he was speaking on prayer. And so uh, I don't know that we're going to be 20 weeks uh, into this series or not, but I really don't know how long this series is going to go. So I can't just sit here and say for the next five weeks we're going to be, but uh, here's what I do know. We're going to be studying the Word of God and we're going to be looking at the life of Christ. And there's really no better example that we can look at than the life of Christ And as we get into uh, this series, or we get into the sermon this morning, as as I was stating earlier, I was really, um, me personally, in my life, personally, I've been challenged, I've been, I just, I feel like God is just tugging on my heart, and, and Aaron, how much do you know me? Aaron, what is your walk with me? Not Aaron, you're the pastor of Oasis Baptist Church, but Aaron, how much do you know me? Take away everything that you do as a profession, and how much do you know me? That's been something that's just really been tugging at my heart over the last number of months. And that's not because I don't have a walk with God. That's not because I, I, I don't pray. And that's not because any of those things. I, I feel that I do those things. But I need to do it better. And I need to grow closer. And I need to, to know Him in a more intimate relationship. In a more intimate way. And so as I've been reading different things. And studying personally. And praying personally. And going through different things. I was then going back with our church. Okay, where is our church? And, and what are some of the things that our church. And I believe that our church needs and I was just really wrestling with a number of different things and I couldn't get away from knowing him and as I was thinking through that whole idea of knowing him I it was probably about six months ago I was reading a book and a thought came to my mind as I was reading the book the the one of the the passages or one of the chapters I don't remember what it was maybe one of those little sub chapters inside of a chapter I don't know but I was reading and it it was going through one of the prayers of Jesus and as I was reading that book it came to my mind and I just jotted it down into my into the side and then I put it later into my notes on my computer of what would it be to study the prayers of Jesus How many different times throughout Scripture that we all recognize, and most everybody that would be in this room would say, yes, I remember, I know, we, you know, Jesus did some miracle, and then next thing you know, he's up into a mountain alone to pray. Jesus did this, and the next thing we know, it reads, he's up in a mountain alone to pray. And over and over throughout Scripture, and as I was reading that little book, I was thinking to myself, wow, over and over, Jesus says that he went up alone to pray, But I have personally never just went and studied those prayers. I've studied different things on prayers. We read the Lord's Prayer. We we go through things, but I never had done that. And I kind of jotted that down. Maybe that would be a series one day. We go through some of the prayers of Jesus. And the more that I was going through thinking of how to start this this new year, this just kind of came back to me and and I just began to put some thoughts together and I pray that it's something that we as a church would be encouraged by. I pray that it's something that our church would be uh, united over. I pray that it's something that we would truly take to heart, not that we don't have a prayerful church, but that we would become more of a praying uh, praying church, that we would, we would truly recognize and understand the need to bow our knees, and that we would truly understand and recognize that, yes, we have a cool-looking stage, but the altar that is put before us isn't just to look good so that we have a way to get up here, but it's that we would bow our knee upon it, that we would lift 
lift up our, our hearts to Jesus and that we would do those things. And not that this is the only place that we can pray. And I'm not, I'm not here, I'm not one of those guys that feels at the end of a sermon if 50 people aren't at the altar that I've failed. That's not really my intention. But my intention is that we as a body, that you as an individual would really just get to a place. If I want to know him, I better start talking to him. If I want to know Him, it's more than just before dinner sitting down and saying, thank you, Lord, for this food. It's more than just sitting down at dinner at nighttime with your, with your spouse or maybe if you have children, you pray before you go to bed. And it's more than just saying, God, I thank you for my family and thank you for each one of my kids. And I pray that we have a good night's rest tonight. And I pray that all the boogeymen don't come out of the closet. And I pray, God, that my kids don't get scared. And I pray all those things. That's, not, that's, that's a great thing to do and that's a great tradition to have with your family. But... That's not the intimacy of getting to know God that, that I'm after. That we would truly just lay aside some things. And we'd say, God, I want to know you. And here's what's neat. In knowing Him, it's great to be here. In knowing Him, it's great to fellowship with one another. In knowing Him, it's awesome for our children to go and to study and to, to memorize verses in Awanas and to go back as some of them are back there right now and they're going through different things within our children's ministry or whatever it would be. Those are awesome and great things. But how do we then apply it? Think about this. Jesus Christ, in His very first prayer, when He was tempted, what did He do? He prayed, but He didn't just pray. He prayed through the Word of God. See, it goes hand in hand. When I know God's Word, the more that I know His Word, the more that I study His Word, the more that I fall in love with this book, the more that my prayer life becomes awakened. Because the more that I know the man that I'm praying to, and the more that circumstances and situations arise, the more that I go back and I fall back to God's Word, where he, whatever it would be. Because God brings those to, to light, and God brings all of that to us. And so this morning, as we get into the series and uh, this sermon series that I've kind of entitled Prayer of a Savior, I want us to, to kind of stop for a little bit as a church. It's really neat for me to stand up here and look across the auditorium. Because I can look at faces and I can see some faces that I know the trials that, they, that you've gone through over the course of the last year, the last three years or five years or whatever it would be. I can look across and I can see families or I can see individuals who may have recently become uh, saved or maybe recently have been baptized and given their lives back to the Lord or maybe there's somebody that's, that's re given a rededication or whatever it would be and I can kind of browse and I can look and I can be excited about some of those things. But then I can look at us as a collective whole and I could think, wow, over the course of the last three years, where has our church came from and where, have we, where are we going? For some of you, you sit here and you're like, I have no idea. Well, three years ago, I became the pastor of this church. An unexpected thing to me personally, and I'm sure to everybody that was here that sits here today before. It wasn't within my plans. So over the course of three years, we've had a lot of transition. There's been hurts and hardships in this room. And then as I look at our church and I look, okay, where are we headed? We're moving. It's in just a few months. We will no longer be in this building. We'll be worshiping the Lord in another facility. And so some of you, you go, whoa, I never knew that. You're, this is your first time here and you're thinking, wow, this is a whole mess of a place. No, but God is, to me, God has blessed us in an amazing way to enable us to get out of a more enormous amount of debt, which is this facility, and to move on from that. And I cannot wait. But hey, let me just share with you, there's a whole lot of uncertainty that lies ahead of that. So as I go through all of these things and I'm thinking about what do I teach on for Oasis Baptist Church? January 3rd, 3rd, 2015, we're kick, 16, we're kicking off a new year. I don't even know that it's a new year, but we're kicking off a new year. 
And I'm thinking, you know, the greatest thing that anybody in this room can do is get to know Him in the most intimate and personal way that you can get to know Him. And I pray that as we go through God's Word over the course of the next however long that we, we look into the, the prayers of Jesus, I pray that our prayer lives as individuals would change. I pray that our prayer life as a church collectively would change. And I pray that we would see some of the most sweetest times that our church has ever known in the last 53 plus years of serving in Las Vegas, Nevada. Because here's what we all know that are sitting in this room. The church is not a building. The church is a people. And I'm not saying that because we're getting ready to leave a facility. I'm saying that because that's the reality of it. You and I are the church. And where we fail is when you and I do not know Him and we don't serve Him and we don't honor Him and we don't live as if we are the church. And I pray that this would be a series that would encourage each and every one of us in our Christian lives and in our walk with Him. And so as I get kind of back to this series, that was, I guess, a really big introduction as to why I'm doing this series. But as I get back into this, I'm thinking of prayer. And here's what I could do. I could grab a book. There's a number of men who have written incredible, incredible books on how to pray. Great biographies or great thoughts from many, many different men. I have books in my office from people that are, that we would just go, wow, that was a hero of the faith. But here is the reality. There's no greater teacher than Christ Himself. There's no greater person that we can learn from on how to pray than Christ. And this series is not going to be, or these sermons are not going to be that of, hey, if you do one, two, three, then your prayer life is going to be incredible and miraculous. That's really not the heart of this series. Because I don't believe that there is a one, two, three that I can give you that's going to make your prayer life the most successful prayer life in all of the world. Here is what that success is. You get to know Him. You give your life to Him. And as God lays and as you pray, you trust that He's going to, His will will be done within the prayer. Because each one of us are going to talk to God differently. Each one of our relationships is going to be different. And so as we go through these next few weeks, months, however long this is going to be, I really do not know. I believe that Jesus modeled prayer. I believe that if Jesus Christ Himself prayed, that we ought to pray also. I believe that if He needed time alone with His Father, that we need time alone with our Father. Obviously, and practically speaking, Jesus believed that prayer works. Jesus knew the effectiveness and the power of prayer. It's obvious to all of us that we are not Christ. I hope it's obvious to you that you are not Christ. If it's not, let me inform you today. You are not Christ. But no, it's pretty obvious. Everybody in here would say, no, I'm not Jesus. I'm not perfect. I don't have that perfect, intimate relationship between me and the Father that Jesus had. So when we look at these so many times, I think sometimes, even in my own life, I study and I think, but that was Jesus. It was Jesus. But again, if it was important enough for Him to to get away and pray, then it's that much more important that you and I would get away and pray. And it goes through so many different things of Jesus' prayer life and Jesus' walk with the Father and, and so on and so forth. So I pray that this series would be a series that would encourage each and every one of us. My prayer for this series is, is pretty simple. 
It's that the heart of our church would become one in our hearts and cries to the Lord. That we would develop the heart of prayer in our services, in our fellowships, in our being together. That there would be more people at the altar before service, during worship, during invitation, on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday night, before or after, during the week. That a series or a a sermon on prayer, looking not just at prayer and what prayer is, but at Jesus Christ and His prayer life, that it would be one that literally changes the hearts of our people and changes the culture of our church. Again, it's not because I think that we don't pray in this church. I am encouraged on a regular basis by people letting me know, Pastor, I prayed for you this week. Pastor, I prayed over this request or that request. I'm encouraged on a very, very regular basis of the prayers that are lifted up from people within this congregation. But at the same time, Take this as as good as it, we can do better. We should never become complacent in our prayer life. We should never become complacent as a church. We should never become to a place where it's, oh, I, I got this under control. If you get your spiritual life under control and you've gotten to a peak, please let me know how to do that because I would love to figure that one out. We should always be growing in that. And so I pray that this would be one of those things. And so as I stated just a few minutes ago as we read aloud Psalm 37, that the the heart behind our our church and the heart behind kind of this series is, is, is not just specifically this passage of Scripture, but in Psalm 37 in verse number 4, I'm going to read 4 and 5 one more time and then I'm going to pray and we'll get into the points this morning. It says this, Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And so as I look at this passage of Scripture, and I I strongly encourage that you would take this passage, that you would memorize this passage, that you would read through it on on a daily basis over the next week, and that you would take this and make it and take it to heart in everything that you are doing and that you do. But if we start with this, Delight ourselves in the Lord. Trusting that He then would give us the desires of His heart. Or of our heart. Then that we would commit our ways. Think of our prayer lives as individuals. If we would just simply delight everything in who He is. And then commit everything to Him. My prayer is over the course of the next however long we're in this series, looking at this, the, the life of Christ and how He prayed, is that that would be a heartbeat behind us. That we would delight ourselves, that we would give everything, that we would commit to Him and just trust God. Let's pray and we'll get to the points this morning. Father God, I thank You. I thank You for this church. God, I thank you for the people that are here, the families that are represented. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to just truly worship you. I thank you this morning for the songs that were sung and the heart behind them. Father, I ask you. Lord, I ask that this morning, as we open up your word and as we look at some of the different, uh, really the hearts of prayer. Lord, the heartbeat behind Christ and and when He would take it to You, what was that heartbeat? Lord, I pray that we would take those things to heart. God, I pray that this morning, Lord, not because of anything that I say, not because of, of anything that I've done, but Lord, I pray that we as a body, that we as a church, that the individuals that are in this room would take to heart and truly look at Your Word and, and recognize the need that we have to just fall before You on our faces. And God, that we would understand that we have the greatest example right in front of us in Your Word, in Your Son. 
Lord, speak to us this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I'm not going to go through a specific prayer of Christ. I will jump into some of that next week. But this morning, I've kind of entitled the, the series or the, the, the sermon this morning uh, pretty simple The Heart of Prayer. And when we look at Christ, there's a couple things that Jesus Christ did before any prayer that oftentimes are our uh, Achilles heel, so to speak, I guess you could say. There's a number of different things that Jesus did immediately or specifically in his prayer. And so this morning what I want to do is I'm going to go through and we're going to jump through a couple different passages of Scripture in each one of our points this morning. But our first point being, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Pretty simple, not much that's rocket science that you've never heard this morning, but here is one of the things when we look at God and we look at Christ as he preached or as he taught prayer or as he prayed himself, one of the things that we can look to in scripture is Jesus didn't pray that his will on earth would be done, but he prayed that the father's will would be done in him and through him that the father would be glorified. Our problem not my, not our, my problem is when I pray so much, so many times I should say, my desire is that my will would be done in the prayer that I'm praying. Father, grandma is sick, heal her. Father, I lost my job, I need a job and I need money, provide that. God, I'm begging you, I don't understand why you did this. And if you could just come and snap your fingers and take away whatever the pain and take away whatever the hurt and take away whatever the thing is and make this be good, then we'll all be okay. See, if we were to go to Scripture and we were to look at Jesus Christ, we would recognize that, yes, He asked what He desired, But he meant and he prayed, not my will, God, but yours would be done. And so let's go to a couple of those passages this morning. Matthew chapter 26, if you have a Bible, you can go with me. Verse number 36 is where we'll be. Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. If you don't have a Bible, they will be on the screens this morning. But Matthew 26, verse 36, it says this. Then... Let me make sure I'm in the right one. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be, began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it be possible... Let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What, could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He then went again, he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. We know that passage of Scripture. It's not foreign. It's not new. But here's where where we are. Jesus took His heart to the Lord and He said, Father, I know what is about to take place. He had come to the end of His life. He was just moments away from being arrested. He was moments away from being beaten. He was moments away from being bruised. He was moments away from all of these things. And he, He sat down and He lay down and He prayed and He said, Watch me pray And he said, Father, take these things from me. But if you choose not to, let it be your will that is done. Let's go to one of the other passages of Scripture that are the same. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 and verse 35 says basically the same thing. It's Mark's version, I guess you could say. In 35, he says, And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And in 36, and he said, Abba, Father, 
All things are passable un- are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And again in Luke chapter 22, he says basically the same thing yet again. In verse 42, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony. He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it was great drops of blood falling down from the ground. And when he rose up from prayer, he was come to his disciples. He found them sleeping for sorrow. This morning, my points, my thoughts are really fairly simple, I guess you could say. But let me encourage you. As we get into the the heart of prayer, as we get into you and I, as we look at our lives as individuals and we start to to begin to, to desire to pray and we begin to desire to know Him more earnestly and we begin to to go to Him and to, to rely on Him and to look to Him and we look at the prayers of Jesus, here's one of the things that we must look and inquire, or not inquire, but add upon ourselves, so to speak, that we would recognize That it's not my will, but it's His will that would be done when we pray. Because here's the sad reality, and here's the thing that you and I do not like. Or maybe you like it, but I don't like it. When I sat at different hospital beds, it's hard for me to say, Father, I pray that You would heal this individual, but God, if it's not Your will to be healed, that, that You would take them home peacefully. It's hard to pray a prayer like that. It's not easy to know that loved one is hurting and loved one is pain. And you sit there and you go, Father, heal them. Knowing in the back of your mind that if they don't get healed, death is the next thing. Because my will is I don't want to lose anybody. I don't want to lose a a loved one. I don't want to lose a friend. I don't want to go to the hospital for you when you've lost a loved one or for your friend. I don't why we don't like those things. And it doesn't it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good to pray, God, your will be done. You lose a job. It's not easy to say, God, I don't understand why I lost this job, but find me a job tomorrow. I've got bills to pay. I need the money now. I've got things to be done. God may say, I'm I'm just here waiting for you to get to know me a little bit more. Because it's not about a job. It's not about a money. It's not about a grandma. It's not about a mom. It's not about a dad. It's not about all of those things. It's about me. And he says, I just want you to rest with me a little while. I want you to stay with me for just a little moment. If you would, just stop And don't worry about those things. And you do what you can do. And you pray. And you seek me. And you find it in in my word. And you do those things. But right now, I just want you to, to be with me a little while. See, we don't like that. As was mentioned in the passages of Scripture, we don't like the whole thing called waiting. Because when I lose a job, I want to figure out how I'm going to pay for the finances tomorrow. When something bad happens, I want it done and dealt with now. God just says, hey, wait with me for just a little while. Why? What is the goal that His will would be done? God already has a plan. The plan is that He would be glorified. Why did Lazarus die? Jesus could have brought Lazarus back the moment that He wanted to. But in John chapter 11 and verse number 4, when Jesus heard that, He said, The sickness is not unto death, but for what? For the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. You know, the hardest thing for all of us is to realize that the hardships that we face are not for us, but it's for the glorification of the Father. Jesus Christ understood that. It wasn't about His will, but it was about God the Father's will being done and that He would be glorified in the pain and the suffering that Jesus was about to take on before going to the cross. The next one is pray believing. 
Not only do we need to pray with our hearts and minds set and focused that God's will would be done, but that we would simply believe that God can answer our prayers. You go, well, that's silly. I wouldn't pray if I didn't believe it. You're better than me. There's many times I've prayed with the doubt in the back of my mind, God, there is no way this is happening. There is no way in the world that this is going to happen. Because why? I'm a human being just like you. And as much as I try to have faith and as much as I want to believe, I I look at a circumstance and I look at a situation and I go, oh my word, there is no out. There is nothing that we can do. There is nothing that I can do. What is going to take place next? God, I know you have a plan and I'm praying. God, I know you have a plan and you're going to answer it and all these things in the back of my mind. I'm going, oh my word, there's no way. We're done. Toast. Jesus Christ prayed believing. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 22. He says this, And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. We must believe, not in ourselves, not in the doctors, not in anything, but believe that He can answer those prayers. Not only that He can answer them, but that He hears us. Not that only, but His will would be done. That His Father would be glorified. Did you ever... Have you ever done what I've done many times? And I, I kind of put this in my notes and I'll, hopefully it will make sense. I'll, I put this. Did you ever stop to think that the raise wasn't His will, but He's going to use it to open your heart? Maybe the new car that you've been praying for isn't what He desires, but we push those doors open. We want things so bad that we make it, quote-unquote, God's will that we have them, even though we don't need or can't afford them. We pray believing, and then we look what God did. Has, has anybody ever taken the job to quickly find out you hated it and it was the most miserable thing you've ever done? Anybody ever got the pay raise to find out how miserable that that pay raise was? Gotten the new car to find out you really couldn't afford the new car that you, God's will happened because you believed in the prayer? That's not what we're after. That's not what we're talking about. But we're, we're getting in this when we look at this praying and believing as we go through these things so many times. Don't push the door open. Pray trusting God and believing in Him. Hey, I can make a car happen. You can make a car happen. I need a new car. I do need a new car. Have you seen my cool car? I need a new car. You know what? I could go to the bank and I could probably afford a payment for a new car. At the same time, I believe that would be the dumbest thing that I could do. As much as I could pray and say, look what God provided. It was a great deal. Jesus even gave me the $5,000 monthly payment that was just perfect for me. We can all do those things. That's not what we're talking about. If you can do it on your own, it's probably not of God. I get that there's things in our lives, but when it comes to those things, man, trust Him. Don't just stop and go, well... I really do. We all justify. I'm, I don't know why I'm using the car thing, but we all justify why. We, I, don't, I don't know that anybody got a new car and I'm not angry. I'm so just. We can all justify all of those things. I am actually. There's a couple of you that have recently got new cars. We can justify. But don't push through and say that it's I believe God. 
It's exciting to think that if we truly believe, Matthew 17 says this, then G seventeen seventeen. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Hey, and simple on this second point, I know it's simple. But we have to believe in the God that we say that we believe in. It sounds great to, to scream and yell that God is great. And it sounds great to how oh, he, he spoke into existence. And it sounds great to say all those things. And we can do it. And we can scream and yell. And we can get excited about it. And we can do those things. But here's the reality of it. We must actually believe in the heart of hearts of who we are saying that we believe in. Because in the deepest, darkest, darkest moment that you have... Do you believe when you go to pray tonight that He will come through in that circumstance? But how can anything happen? I don't know. How could there be nothing? And He said, let there be light, and there was light. How could there be nothing? And He spoke stars, and He spoke the moon, and He spoke the sun, and He created all of those things how can that be if i believe that that is the same god if i believe god's word to be true then i have to take this passage of scripture and say if i believe as much as the grain of a mustard seed then he will move the mountain and i don't know what your mountain is but have the faith to believe that he will move it and he will move it we've all seen mountains moved in all of our lives if it's not been personal in yours, you've probably witnessed it in somebody else's. As a young boy, and I need to hurry up, but as a young boy, I didn't fully understand, but here's what I recognized. When I was eight or nine, ten years old, I don't know, my grandfather had a brain tumor. Was given six months to live. Am I right? Two and a half years later, Grandpa passed away. I didn't understand it then, and I don't fully understand it now. I was a young child, but I remember... Praying for grandpa. I remember going through those things as a kid. And I remember going to the house and, and grandpa was still there. Two and a half years of life when it wasn't supposed to be. He's not with us today. But God moved a mountain for a specific reason for those two and a half years. I don't know what that was. There's some of you that sit here today that should not be here today. We'll call it what it is. We should not be here today. The two sitting on the front row probably should not be here today. There's others of you here. But what? God, because somebody prayed, because a church prayed, because God had favor, whatever it would be, God took the faith of somebody and moved a mountain. Why? So that He would be glorified. Pray believing. Pray that His will would be done and not our will. And lastly, and we're done this morning, be obedient in our lifestyle. Prayer is answered with a few things taking place, but one I haven't necessarily hit on is simple obedience. I use this regularly in my, I've always used this with teaching teenagers or, or younger children, but most everybody in this room is, is a parent. If you're not a parent, maybe you are an adult that has leadership over somebody, I don't know. But as a parent, I love to give to my children. I, there's, there's really not much better time than Christmas or birthdays with kids. 
because they, maybe they don't know what's in the package or whatever it is, and they get, oh, they're so excited about gifts and, and all of those things. And as parents, we are excited because they're excited. But this afternoon, when I go home to my family, or this week when I'm spending time with my family, if my children are being complete terrors, and I know that does not happen in my home, if your kids are being complete terrors, in the moment that they're fighting with one another and then you say stop and they begin to scream at you, then they stop and they go, oh, Dad, could I please get a new pair of shoes? It's at that time that I don't go, absolutely, I love you. Please let me give you everything that you desire. If you do that, let me bring you up here and do one of these across the side of your face. You should not give your kids things when they need to be disciplined. We don't do that. Most of us, I hope. Why? Because they don't deserve it. They've been rotten. They've been nasty to each other. You know, it's really not much different with us and God. It's really not. Granted, nothing that we get from God is deserved. I got that. But when my life is a complete mess and I have no regard for God at all and for me to sit there and go, oh God, I need a new car. Would you give me a job? Would you provide all of these things for me? He's looking down going, all you've done, you've just spat in my face for the last hour. Just like we look at our kids and go, uh, it's part of obedience. But let's go one step backwards. Because it's even an initial obedience. For it's, we go through Scripture, Romans 5 and verse 8, a passage of Scripture that we all know. But yet God commended His love for us, yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If we were to look at 1 Peter chapter number 2, and I believe it's up on the screen as well, but 1 Peter chapter 2, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Christ propitiated God. Basically this is, he appeased the wrath of God. He satisfied the demands of God's justice. The result is that for all of us, those of us who hold to the Christian or to Christ, the wrath of God has been turned away. And in its place, there is mercy. God no longer opposes the sinner who trusts in Christ. Instead, he now is working for that sinner's good. If it were not for the death of Jesus, everything you and I experience would be a token of God's wrath. We have become the beneficiary of of the death of Christ. In Romans 8:32 says he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us will he not also give us all things with him. This is something that I don't know if it's popular or not popular to say The answer of prayer comes after we know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. See, the reality is this, and we recognize this, there's people all across this world that pray prayers every day. But there is but one God who answers prayers. And that God is Jesus Christ. That God is the Father. That That God is but one God, and there is but one way to heaven. And as we dive in, and as we come to know Him, it's when we know Him, when we are obedient to salvation, when we are obedient to giving our lives to Him, when we are obedient to the understanding that there is sin in my life and that I need a Savior, when we are obedient in that first step, then we can receive the answer of prayer. 
So obedience and lifestyle first is the obedience to falling on our face before an almighty God and saying, I am in need of a Savior. And as we fall on our face towards Him in need of a Savior, we then recognize that as our lifestyle, we ought to know Him. We ought to believe in Him. We ought to trust Him. We do what we can to the best of our ability to be more in love with Him every single day. I said it a moment ago. For me in my home when I was growing up, I wanted to do a lot of things and there were certain stipulations in order to do those. One of them was sports. If my grades weren't right, I didn't play sports. If my attitude wasn't right, I didn't play sports. I don't know if mom remembers this, but I'll never forget this day when I was playing baseball and one of my buddies got thrown out at home plate and I was walking onto the field, looked at the umpire and made a comment that I will not repeat in church this morning and my mom walked onto the field, pulled my butt off of the field and let me know that I would never do that again or I would not be out on a field playing ball. There was guidelines in our home when I was growing up to do certain things. And it's the same thing with Christ. Christ has given us guidelines. Christ has given us things. And in those guidelines, He says, I want to give you everything. I want to bless you to the abundance. I want to do all of those things. Because we recognize that we needed a Savior to begin with. And now it's here. Go Live, love, grow in me, know me more, serve me. The same is our relationship with Christ. We can't act good enough for long enough to trust that God will answer those prayers. We must live an obedient life in order to gain the fruit of life through walking with Him. The last passage of Scripture that I'll read this morning it's 1 John chapter 3 and 21. It says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. What does it say? Whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because why? We keep His commandments. And do the things that are what? Pleasing in His sight. Church, this morning I understand and I recognize none of these points are bombastic this morning. But as we begin to look at Jesus' life and prayer, there's foundational points to everything that He did. One of them When he prayed, he prayed that it wasn't his will that would be done, but it was the Father's will. He prayed not just to pray, but he prayed believing that what he prayed would take place. Trusting God for the right answer. Why? Again, his will that would be done. And not only that, he lived a life of obedience. He followed the commandment that God gave to him. As we wrap up this morning, let me ask you, have you taken the very first step of obedience to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Not that I know him, not that yes, I know and I recognize he died on a cross, but no, taken obedience and said, okay, I get it, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. I need to make a change. And I need to give my life 100% to you. Have you taken that very first step of obedience to Him? If you have, believer, this morning, let me ask you. Where do you stand in your personal walk with Him? Where's your walk at? Where is that prayer life at? Do you pray, God, it's your will? Do you pray, are you praying in your heart to God that you're believing that what you're praying, He can and will do? Are you living a life that would be that of obedience 
You're walking with Him. You're trusting Him. You're acting out the way that you should act out. And you are trusting Him through your life of obedience. This morning, just a simple invitation. One, have you taken the very first step of obedience? And secondly, this morning, are you doing those things in prayer? Maybe you'd say, yeah, I do. But I don't do them enough. My prayer this morning is this. That as we study the teachings of Christ in His prayer life, that our lives would be changed. That my prayer would be His prayer. That my desires would be His desires. That I would commit myself to Him. Church this morning, I'm just going to ask, would today be a day that you would just decide, I'm going to make some changes in my prayer life. I'm going to take some things to Him. I'm going to not just pray for dinner, and I'm not just going to pray for, for, for when we go to bed, but I'm going to truly take to heart and pray and get to know Him. And over the course of this series, however long it may be, that you would say, God, my life hasn't ever been one of prayer. But that changes today. Because if you needed it, I sure as ever need it. And I'm going to study, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to grow, and I'm just going to do the best that I can to know you in prayer. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.